Attention, attention, please. This is an announcement straight from Alabama's true MCs. Uh, for Southern rap, there's a new day, and they come and show you the way in the DSA. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Three to Heart Me. Today, I have a very special guest. The guest that we have right now, his resume is quite phenomenal. Um, he got his humble beginnings working as an intern with some of the greats at Homage Studios, like Jim Lee, J. Scott Campbell, Ryan Benjamin, and Travis Therese. Um He's also done some work with Sony, some projects that we all are really huge big fans of over the years. If you if you if you if you haven't seen anything that DC's put out, the DC Direct short film from back in the day. He's had his hands in that in the animation the studio. Also, one of my one of my childhood favorites, Everlasting, Thundercats, and G.I. Joe. Let me introduce to you guys today, Dan Norton. Welcome to the show, Dan. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice to be on the show, he guys. He watched the fanboy out because he totally forgot that we were sitting here. <laughs> yep. We're here. Thanks for that. <laughs> And my support guest I have today joined me. Are you, are you, are you here? Yeah. I'm positive. You're positive we're here too. Are you? Yes. Yeah. Am I here? Yeah, you're here. Mm-hmm. All right. Sweet. At least I'm not someplace else. Anyway, Todd the Todd Father Holly. And I'm Jelani Buller. Okay. All right. Let's get this let's get this show on the road. All right, Dan. Um starting out, how did you get into comics? Uh well um it it was uh back in 92 I actually I started um collecting a bunch of comics with some of my buddies and we eventually um uh, opened up our own comic book shop and so when we were <laughs> just kind of kicking it you know like I like to draw just like anybody else I guess and um mm-hmm. I I was really into just you know, drawing the characters, cool stuff that I would see in the panels of the books, and uh, I found that I could just kind of memorize the the pages, the panels, um, and I could draw all right. Uh, I knew I could draw better than a ten year old, so I decided to start <laughs> art lessons to ten year olds. You know, it's just kids, um, and it kind of picked up uh, enough to where I started getting. You know, students from the uh, Art Institute of Seattle interested. People had come around the area. And um, it just gave me the confidence to kind of begin to take my art to some of the pros at the comic conventions and get some tips. And um, I remember Eric Larson. Oh, man, he went off on my art one day. He just crushed my dreams. He told me I couldn't draw for shit. (laughs) And it was amazing. Um, and, and in which I, I later approached him and said, dude, thank you for, uh, crushing my soul because I needed it. Um, but, uh, it was actually the first image, uh, comic convention where it was in Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And I took my, I took my, I had my art, my little commission drawings and whatnot, uh, stuff I'd been doing in the, uh, comic shop. Um, this, this, 12-year-old kid came up to me, and he asked me, can I show this to my neighbor? 
And I was like, your neighbor? What does that even mean? I have no idea. <laughs> you know? But I'm like, yeah, sure, kid, take my stuff. And he did. He literally grabbed it all and just started walking down the convention hall. And uh, my friends are turning to me like going, what the hell are you doing? You don't even know that guy. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I, got, uh, I, got, I got an instinct. I don't know. Uh, I, it'll be all right. And lo and behold, that kid walks all the way down the hall and stops right in front of Todd McFarlane. And that dude has a line of about a thousand people. And the kid okay. plops it down in front of him. And then he, you know, all I see is him kind of gesturing, and he points at the art, and he points down the hall right back at me. And he goes, that guy. All right, all right, I got a weird question for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. remember what the pictures were. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I still have all of it. Uh, Oh, really? I've done these, yeah, yeah, I've done these uh, Aliens versus Predator um, comic panels. But I, I drew it pretty realistically. Um, I had no idea how to draw, like, real, <laughs> you know, illustration. I wasn't, trust me, I was not polished. I, I, I sucked, you know. But, uh, you know, it was, it was enough. It was like, um, you know, I was really into Jim Leard. I was really into, like, uh, Mark Silvestri and Dale Keown. So I kind of, you know, like, in those, Great in, in that yeah. vein. Yeah, yeah. Those, those guys were my heroes. So, yeah. Um, you know, the 90s were uh, powerful time in comics too. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so this is Todd, how you uh, Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Todd uh, ended up, you know, waving me over like, "Come here!" And so I, I literally walked down this hall, and I had been working alongside all these other comic retailers for the last year, so they all knew me. And literally, it was everyone was clapping, whistling. The guy's got the call. He's got the call. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. It was like, you know, a, a procession. And I literally, I walked up to Todd, and he just goes, kid, you're going to be someone, someone someday. Uh, check it out. Here's what you do. Uh, and it turns out his brother-in-law had a comic book store. It was the Spider's Web. It, it was in Puyallup, Washington. It was only half an hour away from my store. And uh, he gave me his number, and I, I ended up uh, faxing my art to him, and he would redline it and uh give it back to me and you know this was in the heyday of when wizard com- uh, the the uh wizard cover contests and all that kind of stuff um and i i was just really into it so i did all this uh work um which it it eventually gave me the uh just the confidence to go uh i actually i i met chance wolf who was the inker of jim valentino uh, before he got started, him and I both both got recognized at that con, mm-hmm. and uh, that's when uh, he, he I ended up doing some Shadowhawk pages and some trading cards, and it just progressed. And slowly but surely, I got little jobs, you know, doing uh, Green Arrow covers for DC, uh, and then it was uh, I did a Motorhead special for Dark Horse and. When I had this stuff under my belt, uh, by the way, I'd never drawn a woman before until oh, really? I, I until I drew uh, Motorhead special number one. That was for Dark Horse. That was the first time I ever drew a woman, um, and I was scared shitless. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, what do I do? Oh man, 
Um, I, I was like, I guess it's kind of like a guy, but not really. Um, yeah, it was tough, but uh, I made it through. And then with the work that I had when I eventually, I, my first year I went down to San Diego Comic-Con in 93, I um, I took all my little packets um, and I gave one to this guy, Joe Mendoza, who was the at the time the editor of Union uh, in, in Homage Studios, and he worked with Jim Lee and those guys. And, and he ended up giving Jim Lee my sample package and uh, there I was in a comic book store, and I get a phone call, and I thought my friends were pranking me. So it was like, hey, man, it's Jim Lee. And I was just like, yeah, right, Jim Lee. No, kiss, my, yeah. kiss my ass, buddy. You know, fuck <laughs> <you>. <laughs> And he goes, no, it's Jim Lee. It's Jim Lee. So I, that was like, uh, it's like God calling you personally. And... uh uh, yeah, uh, eventually that's how I, I, I went down to San Diego and started as an intern down at Wildstorm or Amish Studios at the at the time. So that was my big start in comics. Oh, wow. All right. Well, that, that's very interesting, man. I didn't, I didn't know that much that, that you went through that much. Wow. Yo, trust me. Um, I'm giving well, you right the highlight yeah. reel. Oh, that's the highlight reel, man. <laughs> Um, the next question we had for you, like I said, was going down the line, who were your, some of your early influences other than what you had uh, that you named so far? But um, did, did you have someone that, like, really stuck out? Like, yeah, really, you know, really funny. stuck out? Well, here's here's the, the – this, this is what blew me away. This is what got me into drawing comics, uh, hands down. It was uh, Dennis Cowan's um, Super Knots versus the Black Panther number three. I saw the cover to that comic, and I nearly shot wow. myself. I was like, <laughs> wow. yeah. Black Panther is sick! And yeah, I literally, yeah. I took that thing home, and I and I got it at this uh, Lake Sawyer grocery store, just this little, tiny, almost like bait-and-tackle shop that was near this lake that I lived by. Um, mm -hmm. And it was on the comic rack, and it just melted my face off. And so <laughs> I went home, <laughs> and I literally, I was like, I was so inspired because I like, I was always a doodler, but I never considered drawing. I mean, when you're from the Northwest, you're either a, you know, a, a contractor, uh, uh, you know, you work in a warehouse or you do construction, you know, or you're a lumberjack. It's one of those things. You really don't do much. So. Yeah. So, so lumberjack didn't appeal to you? No, no, I wasn't. I'm just saying, you know, I, I, I totally feel like that. Right? Anything that lets me, you know, carry an axe. Yeah, so I, um, I, I took that thing home and I just started trying to copy the, the panels as I saw them. I thought every panel was just loaded with sexiness. So, I literally started teaching myself how to draw at that moment just by mimicking Dennis's work. And then I, I, I decided, you know what, I wonder if I could draw this from memory. And uh, so I would put it away, and I, I found that I could replicate it pretty close just by thinking about it, uh, just memorize what I saw. So it, that, was, that was my first steps in kind of training myself so i would buy all of uh dennis's work and just be like i gotta draw like this guy he's he is epic 
Um, it sounds like every, it sounds like you got still have a great love of comics and stuff. Do you think you'd ever go back to the industry, or do you feel like you've done all there was to do with it? Well, you know, comics are tricky, right? I mean, you really you get <laughs> uh, what I call mom's basement pay. Uh, you, know, you get just enough to get paid to stay in your mom's basement. Um, I mean. Comics, comics worked out. I mean, it was really nice to draw comics. I love comics. It's like making your own movie, you know, with a paper and pencil. Like, you really can do what you want. Um, and I, I would do it forever. I actually, I still do comics now for Riot Games. Um, I just, uh, you know, like in, in terms, it, it just takes so much time and energy. And, you know, if you can't, um, work out, <laughs> a, where to get it published or how to publish. You know, a lot of people are going digital and all that stuff now, which is great, but it just, you know, when you believe in your brand and you, and you chase it, you gotta believe in it. You really gotta get behind it. And, and, right. you know, you look at Todd McFarlane, he's on 279 or something like that of Spawn. Like, he doesn't draw yeah, yeah. 50 yeah. titles. That guy's like, I'm going to live and breathe Spawn till I die. You know what I mean? Yep. That's the project. And you got to go with it. You're right. Get it yeah. sure off. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yes, sir. Now, with with that being said, do you feel as though you've had your chance to do your dream project in comics? Um, I don't. I don't think I necessarily fulfilled my dreams in comics, but I. Um, I mean. I could have never asked for a better experience. I mean, we just had our uh, Wildstorm 25th anniversary signing at the San Diego con and you know yeah, was I was watching a video on that. Yeah. It was that was my those were my college days. I was I was twenty years old. You know, I started there I think when I was nineteen and um you know when I was twenty, twenty one, twenty two. It it was I was sitting next to the legends of comics and they would share their sketches with me and their stories and I would uh, just absorb, you know, on my right was Travis Charest, on my on my left was Jeff Scott Campbell, and then Jim Lee would float around, and then we would make comics together, and I was like, you, you can't ask for anything better, you know, this was at the height of when comics were just exploding, um, we got to travel and go around, it, it, it was no better time, um, so it was a, a big growth opportunity. Okay, so yeah. and you you kind of made a move to something else at that particular time. Um, at the height of your career in comics, you shifted to animation. Um, what got you started into that? Uh, well, it was uh, uh, I guess a, a, a couple of guys who had collected my comics when they were in high school, which is funny enough. They went on to go into animation into the WB. And some of those guys were uh, reaching out to me and were like, "Hey, man, let's hang out. Let's let's talk comics. Let's you know break all that down and uh, whatnot." And we just through conversation realized we had a love for all the same things, like all the '80s properties. We had all dreamed about bringing them back, and you know, I'm I'm lucky to say oh, that, yeah. that you know, yeah, all hey, my friends way, are the ones behind those shows. Yeah, oh, thank yeah. You. Absolutely. Very impressed with your work. I'm sorry for cutting you off. Go ahead. Oh, no, please. Yeah, jump in any time, guys. Yeah, um, sorry. I love <laughs> that. That's a great move. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how could you how could you not love G.I. Joe or Transformers or Thundercats or He-Man? You know, all that stuff was amazing. You're talking about all of our childhood right now, man. That's that Exactly. Like, yeah. So that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we had all dreamed. Yeah, we had all dreamed to, like, you know, tackle all that stuff someday, and it was great to watch people finally get those opportunities. Um, so, yeah, when when G.I. Joe came around, um, this guy, uh, Joaquin DeSantos, he actually was the the guy who was one of the lead directors of uh, The Last Airbender, uh, the series, and then went on to oversee uh, Legend of Korra and now Voltron. Um, oh, wow. become, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, we have become friends, and um, yeah, he's like, dude, you know, my, he, he's like, man, it, it would be my, uh, it would be my dream come true to work with all my heroes in comics and get us together and work on some cartoons. And so, me and Dave Johnson, um, we ended up working on GI Joe Resolute with Joaquin. And Sam Register, he was our producer at the time. And Sam was one of the guys that produced Ben 10, the early versions of Ben mm-hmm. 10. Um, I love Ben 10. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was huge for Cartoon Network, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. It, was. Yeah, it, it still was. is. Yeah. They, they, they keep reincarnating yeah, yeah. every chance. <laughs> yeah, right? That thing is literally, and I, I should like, not, that thing has made yeah. Cartoon Network billions of dollars. I'm sure. So, I am sure. Yeah, right? yeah. But uh, um, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. We we were gonna ask you one more thing. Uh, going into animation, like, what was your favorite project in it? Like, what did you like, like, more than? I don't know the bee's knees. What, I what, think he's asking which one, which one of your babies is your favorite, right? Oh, there's, there's, there's hands down only one one major baby that I I've ever. <laughs> Like cared for more than anything, more than life itself, and that was Thundercats. Like that was hands down my dream come true. Um, I literally chased that thing for twelve years before that ever got made. So yeah, when during the time when the eighties, when all the eighties properties were starting to get swooped up, and my buddies were making you know GI Joe and comics, they were making. Mm He-Man and all this stuff. Uh, Pat Lee had started making the Transformers stuff. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> when do we make Thundercats? You know what right. I mean? Um, and Homage Studios, w- which at the time, they, they had just become Wildstorm. Uh, it, um, I was like, hey, can we get the license for this uh, Thundercats? Let's make some comics, right? Um, oh, yeah. And they said that DC or uh, Warner Brothers, excuse me, had the license and that it was impossible because they had a licensing deal with Rankin and Bass and, it, you know, there was no way to get it. Right. But strangely enough, uh, after about two years after I'd made that pitch, uh, that first pitch, they, uh, they being DC, ended up buying uh, Wildstorm. And DC is uh, uh, owned by Warner Brothers. So I'm like, hey guys, what about that thing? And so they said, okay, well, what's what's the pitch again? And so I ended up repitching in, in 2000. Like I initially pitched in '98, and then 
I repitched in 2000, and it was just all my drawings and, and ideas that I had that were just floating around ever since I was a kid, you know? Um, and I have a thousand questions about Thundercats anyway. Yeah. I, I don't want to catch you I guess the, pro, the, 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 the major question that is on everybody's mind that we come across and everybody's heard rumors and they don't know the truth, the fact, now that we got yeah. you here, the, the source material, everything, what happened? Yeah. That's the biggest question. We got. <laughs> All of us are asking that what question because that show. Yeah, yeah man, yeah. that show was the business. Yeah. And and and, and oh, stop you me. have inside track. Stop me if I'm wrong, Dan. But I think yeah. you were working like every childhood faction that you could probably fit in that series. I, I saw. Well, you saw Tiger, you saw was it uh, Tiger Shark? Tiger Tiger Shark. Uh huh. And were y'all getting two Silverhawks? Yeah, yeah, things like that. I, mean, <laughs> I like the the I like the the animal concepts for uh, each culture. Yeah. I love the yeah. fact that the the claw itself had different gems. I mean, you put a whole different mythology on Thundercats on top of what it is. You modernized it. I, I had so many friends. When I first watched it, no one was watching that show for real. Yeah. And I started yeah. showing my friends, and I was like, you have got to watch Thundercats. I mean, you have to watch the show. It was so impressive right. to me. And it's, I mean, I, I'm hurt because I still want to, like, find it somewhere and get it. But, yeah. uh, it, oh, it, it, what happened to that show, man? Let him tell me. So sorry. We, 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 we were, we were crying about this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll answer this on a on a few different levels. Uh, so in the show, I absolutely was trying to uni unite all the universes of Silverhawks, Tiger Sharks, and Thundercats. I was trying to get the whole Rangan and Bass universe together. So in order to do that with the guys that you know were on the show, obviously it's not my effort alone. Um, but I, I did surprise a lot of people <laughs> because. <laughs> You know, most of them didn't exactly know what those shows were per se. What? And so, well, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it it was some people. It, it some was, people didn't grow up in that era, and some people didn't exactly. Watch yeah. Yeah, Warner Brothers was really caught up with Hanna Barbera and all that kind of you know uh, DC kind of uh, properties and stuff. So this was really off the radar. No one really knew what this was, and trust me, they tried for like eight or ten years. Uh, by their own effort to try to make it, and all sorts of people pitched it. There's literally a stack of of attempts of people trying to make Thundercats over the years that all failed uh, because they weren't necessarily um, plugged in in a certain way. They just didn't connect uh, to the material. And uh, that being said, I, I mean, I was like, there's got to be a way to work this out. And I, I got into trouble a few times. No no one knew that I worked in Monstar or that the Tiger Sharks, per se. In, in Episode 7, they're like, wait, you did that? What? And, and it was I too late. The episode was made, you know? It was like, uh... Right. So, we uh, there, there was... Talk about that forever. Yeah. Yes, there was yeah. going to yeah, be a that lot was, of... That was the big part was, oh my god, it was Monstar. And, yeah, one of my buddies... And that's, that's the Tiger Shark, which was yeah. something that I didn't see growing up, so I was like, who? But, but yeah, you had me at Silverhawks. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there, boom, stop, limbo. Yeah, I'm sitting there doing a whole chance. 
Yeah, those turtles were awesome. I and yeah, any way that I could bring it back and service it, I was down for. It. And we had actually plotted out about sixty-five episodes. Um, we had actually got approval to start the next twenty-six episodes to finish out our fifty-two that we had blocked in for the entirety of the series, and then wow. the supplemental episodes that were going to come after would make up for the sixty-five episodes. Um, wow. Oh. So we had we had literally plotted out that show through its end and then some. Um wow. so I I have I have all of those stories like locked into my brain and like I know what's going to happen, you know. We were in production. We had we had written about three or four scripts uh for the next few shows and six more were in process. And um so we were happy to go lucky and, and you know there were all the designs for the vehicles locations heroes character stuff that i'd already been doing uh was in the works um and uh at at the end of the day um we had a we had a couple of points that we had to kind of contend with right first of uh-huh. all the nostalgia crowd was really into buying the toys and stuff, which was great. Uh, but Bandai was only making a certain range of toys, you know, so that you had the four and a half oh. inch, the six inch, and the eight inch of all the same characters. And people were like, well, do we need an extra half inch on a character? You know, it's the same toy, essentially. Right. Um, but we, you know, we were, it was all, I guess being plotted out in phases and mm. what was being made and how it was being made. You you really do have to earn the shelf space at Target and Walmart and all these places. Um and so that was one of our one of our uh contentions. And then we also had to worry about Cartoon Network. They were never really happy with us. Um what happened? There, were, there was a there was a lot of strife between Cartoon Network and Warner Brothers about airing shows and airtime, especially because Cartoon Network had been ten and they had kind of carved out their own identity and they were trying to fill their own airspace right. with, um, with original shows programming. That, yes, original programming. Like Adventure Time and Right. Um so, you know, the slots for time to show, uh, to put shows on TV, it was coveted. It was, it was really hard to get those, you know, key times when people were going to, uh, watch so we could create some viewing patterns. And, right. um, we got, because of the, by the way. <laughs> yeah, there were, I mean, yeah, that's it. they would, they would say that the show was targeted for 6 to 11-year-olds, and we were never targeted for that. We were always targeted right. for a more mature audience. But uh, So they ended up sticking us on at 8.30 on Friday nights, and they didn't give us any advertising. They never repeated any airings of the show. That was all because of the, the yeah. strife between Warner Brothers and uh, Cartoon Network. So... You know, because of that, like we we didn't get any sh- any love from Cartoon Network. They just didn't like us, and we had to force the deal to get Thundercats made and put on air anyway. So they just didn't appreciate us in that way. Um, yeah. The main guy, 
who was running Cartoon Network at the time, just straight up in the meeting says, I hate Thundercats. I don't like, I've never liked anthropomorphic characters. I don't want to make this show, and I'm only doing it because I have to. So um, you didn't yeah. have a soul, basically, is what you're saying. <laughs> you didn't have a soul. What's that? Child who <laughs> was, yeah. Don't get What's that? You saying it? That's me saying it. Yeah, but don't make him agree to that. Taken over by Oh, yeah, I, not like again. It is beautiful. Uh, yeah, I think he was just older. I, I think, and, and this is verbatim, or, or not verbatim. This is you know, what right, someone else, right. You know, here's hey, we're not going to uh, quote you he, on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the idea was that he was older than when when it came out. He was already past you know, kind of the age bracket to really enjoy it. And then when he looked back, he thought it was stupid. So, um, but neither here nor there. I, you know, that's just kind of one of the things that we had to deal with. And the, the third thing is um, Warner Brothers is a corporation. And at the end of the day, uh, licensing and merchandise are a huge, huge part of uh, making money behind the animation that they make. And uh, while the nostalgia crowd bought a shit ton of Thundercats toys in the beginning, it started to trail off because, you know, kids weren't necessarily watching the show, so they weren't buying the toys. They didn't know what it was for It because they didn't watch TV at 8.30 on Friday night, you know? They were in bed. Um, and the adults... And it's probably... Yeah. The young Justice had that problem too, so I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the toy market itself uh, it was suffering globally, and not just on our project, but on all all different animated series. You know, like selling action figures was hitting a wall, and so we were all fighting over shelf space uh, for all the Warner Brothers titles, and then there was just you know whether it was fatigue, like market fatigue, or just people were like, yeah, I've got enough action figures, you know, especially at a time when technology is really picking up, iPads are taking off. There's a lot of, you know, different items that were coming out that were competing, um, iPhones, all that kind of stuff. It, it just kind of hit at a strange time. So there, there were tons of things that, that shifted and changed. And, you know, uh, another interesting fact, uh, you guys remember Fukushima, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that happened in the middle during our production. Um, oh, and gosh. Exactly. So when you have a Japanese studio that is working on yeah. uh, your project and, and, and a national catastrophe strikes, um, the problem is, is in order to for them in the financial market to help all the victims, they flooded the market with yen. Which, you know, the value of the yen went up and the trade for American dollar went down. So our show that was at, at one point four hundred and twenty some thousand dollars uh, per show, which we got up from three hundred and fifty, we got it up to four hundred and change. We're like, oh my god, this is amazing. Uh, when the market crashed to get the same show, it now cost us five hundred and fifty, five hundred sixty thousand dollars per episode. So our budget, wow. our budget crashed, you know, so we're like, oh my God, what do we do now? You know, we're, we're, 
Warner Brothers wasn't prepared to make and spend that kind of money on this show, and we were already busting our hump to turn dollars into di- or dimes into dollars, you know? Right, right. So, just, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there were a lot of things going on behind the scenes, like you just don't see all the all the levers and buttons that are being pushed, um, and you know, not to throw Rankin and Bass under the bus, but I kind of got to. Um, they they were asking for a lot of money for the show. That's why we didn't have an intro, uh, because they wanted to charge a lot of money for the music. And so then uh, in Cartoon Network was just like, hey, well, that's going to eat into our airtime for an intro. They changed their model, and they wanted more commercial ad space to gain more revenue. So, you know, like we had a six-second intro, and we couldn't really use the music. We went right into the action. Um, and so when there was a deal, like Lego had come along, and they were like uh, going to make this big licensing deal with Warner Brothers. That's why you see Harry Potter and Batman and all those stuff, you know, under the Warner Brothers uh, banner in the Lego stores. Um, so in order for them to uh, make this big deal, they were like, hey, well, we also got this Thundercats thing. It's outside of DC Warner Brothers, but it's, you know, it's it's doing all right. And Lego was like, hell yeah, let's check that out. So they actually made the prototype versions of the classic show and the new show. And we saw those. We saw the Legos. And it was like, oh, my God, we're going to have Thundercats Legos, and it's going to be awesome. Um, it would have been dope, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. cry a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but as I understand it, you know, Rankin and Bass wanted a lot of money for a the lot licensing. Of money. Licensing, yeah. Yeah, and it and it it's you know that big. wasn't yeah, and so it wasn't really appealing for Lego to you know make that kind of deal, and right. so because they you know Cartoon Network it was pushing on on us to create a kids version or you know to make the show much lighter so they could air it earlier in the morning and stuff. We weren't having that. You know, we were like, we're making Thundercats the way that we see Thundercats. You know, like, the way that we've always wanted it and the way that we think the show should be. We're not going to, you know, kind of uh, cow down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We're going to make the show as it's supposed to be. And the next, by the way, the next 26 episodes were going to get so dark and hardcore. It was about to blow the hell up. It was going to be. You're making me cry, man. You, yeah. That, that, the episode with the little plant people. Oh, that, yeah. That's this day, dude. How could y'all have done that, dude? You pulled off you know, so much stuff. Funny the thing. I almost got fired <laughs> for <laughs> for fighting back on episode four. That, I really, really pushed hard really? to uh, yeah. That was yeah. That, that I I I went to war for that one um, because <laughs> I believed that we could make people cry and and we could really push it with the forest fire. And that was the first time I'd really worked with uh, Michael Jelnick, who was the head writer. And he just, he pulled me aside and he was like, look, dude, you get one, maybe two of these battles on a series. You want to go to war right now? You want to do this? And I was like, I'll die for this one, man. And he was like, all right. This is my fight. 
Yeah. I got I got chest poked by Sam Resner. He was the the president of Warner Brothers Animation. He literally chest poked me and said, "Dude, you're not the motherfucking writer of this show. Like, you know, the don't don't start no shit." And I was like, uh, "I gotta do it. I gotta do it." Uh, but it, you know, because of that, me and Mike, we got to be great friends, and uh, we got to understand one another. And our working relationship just went through the roof. Uh, I couldn't have been happier to work with anybody else, and I'm so I'm glad we had that big headbutt moment. It really worked out. So um, that's cool. So yeah, three the hard so way. He, you guys, you 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 just heard the truth. What happened to Thundercats? Dan laid it out there for us. Sorry, you did give us a big one. And yeah. We're very appreciative I, of that. Well, I got to we tell you, no. you yeah. guys know that Lego Chima is actually the remnants of that deal. Like, Oh, I, I knew that when I saw it. Yeah. They they had to rebrand, repackage the, the Thundercats stuff that they had made. And so they rebranded it and called it Lego Chima. So that was supposed to be the new Thundercats series stuff. That's why it looks oh, so wow. similar to yeah. the Thundercats stuff that we were doing. Um, I remember, I remember the night that I was on DeviantArt and you had posted this article, and then it disappeared, and it came back, and I was like, "Man, wow, that's that's pretty." That's pretty harsh. I mean, that was like, you know, someone's childhood dream, their, their dream project they're working on and only see it to be seized and rebranded as something else. You know? Yeah. How do you how do you pick yourself up from something like that and continue to push forward and go on to something else? I'm not going to lie to you, man. It was like, imagine the girl that you fell in love with in like the seventh grade and now here you are at the senior prom, and she asked you to go. And you're like, what? I'm going to go yeah. with the girl that I've had a crush on forever, and then you're out on the street with your corsage waiting for the limo to come, and then you find out uh, she's three hours late because it, it, it went off the road and killed her. You know what I mean? The limo oh. crashed. Oh. That's what it felt like. I was like, oh, my God, the love of my life has just been murdered. <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. Wow. I was, so I was spiraling. Yeah. I was depressed. I was wrecked, man. It was It was one yeah. of the most painful things ever. Um, so, yeah. When, when you when you got out when you finally said okay this is this is enough I'm I'm ready to step back step back a hold and and try you know to do something else where did you go from there? Well, right after Thundercats, I actually worked on Beware the Batman, and I ended up they they put me in this cubicle. They're like, hey, well, you know, when we find another show that you can run, um. We'll we'll let you know. We'll find. We'll wait for that opportunity. And it, it, there's no other experience that I could tell you like being the, you know, one of the main contributors of a show where you're designing all the characters, the vehicles, you're coming up with the stories, you know, with with the rest of the team. Like when you're doing all this work, and it's only a few of you in the room, and you're really making this show. And you're putting everything that you have into it. You're working 18, 20-hour days just because you love it. Right, and yeah. that goes away 
now I'm sitting in a goddamn cubicle making <laughs> backgrounds in 3D out of SketchUp to, like, make this where the Batman show. And, you know, when I would see something wrong with the show, I'd be like, yeah, I'd be like, hey, what about this? And they're like, eh, just go make backgrounds, man. That's what we need you for. And wow. I would be like, dude, this is not my life right now. I can't believe this. Um, right. Yeah, I was depressed. I, it was it was harsh. Um, so I just kind of like sat there, and uh, fortunately, a buddy of mine was working at Riot Games, and he had approached me a couple of times. It was like, "Hey, man, League of Legends, check it out." Come, and I was like, "What the hell are you talking about?" I played games all the time. I'd never heard of this thing. I'd never heard of League of Legends, whatever that was. Um, and it was some free-to-play video game. I was like, whatever. Um, little did I know, it was <laughs> the most played video game in the entire world. And uh, it, it had a massive following, and it, mainly overseas, but, you know, it was huge. Um, but then when he said, hey, look, they want to make animation over at, uh, at Riot, and they want to make stories and, and comics, and they want to do all these things, you know, why don't you come be a part of that? And we'll start this whole thing up. And that was John Boy Myers, to give him a shout-out. Um, I was like, all right, hell yeah. I went over there, and I fell in love. I was like, holy crap. The, the art, the, the people, the culture, everything was amazing about Riot. And that pulled me out of my funk, really. Oh, that's good. All right. Yeah. So, what are some of your projects that you, your current projects that you're working on right now? Um. Well, oh, I uh, need to talk about them. Yeah, I could say what we've come out with lately. Um, uh, which some of the comics that we did, um, at Riot. I mean, I've, uh, I, I've done several of those now with uh, a couple of the guys at work. Big shout out to like <laughs> Phil Vargas and. Uh, and Jason Chan, and uh, those guys were amazing. Jason Chan is one of the dopest illustrators of all time, in my opinion. Um, so we did uh, we did some comics. One's on Camille and a character named Poppy. And uh, let's see, we also did one on this kid named Echo. Uh, all really good. Super happy with all of those. Um and then we started doing videos, too, uh, these CG animated videos. Uh, one of the last ones we did was uh, uh, about these two characters named uh, Zaya and Rakan. Uh, okay. That was pretty cool. So, yeah, I mean, we've, we've, I, I've, I've been lucky enough to work on a bunch of little uh, projects. I'm essentially the art lead for the team, so I get to kind of touch on everything that, that, uh, we make as a group to uh, put out for uh, the people that play League of Legends. It's been pretty awesome. Sweet. I'd have to say, man, you pretty much have lived, pretty much have lived the dream of an ideal artist, you know, to start in one media, to, to make the transition to go to another media and have the same kind of success that you had in your early beginnings going into that alternate media, and you're still able to still enjoy what you do and still put out the quality of work that you're putting out. Man, I'm I'm grateful that you're able to do you know, to do what you're doing and still be able to have fun at doing it. I wanna see some of your original stuff though. I want I wanna see I wanna see Dingo again. For anybody who don't know who Dingo is that's one of his original characters that he came up with back in the day. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. I want to see Dingo again. I want to see Black Ops again. Will we get to see those guys in anything? Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny? Do you guys remember when they relaunched Knight Rider? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, God. That was yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I, I know, I know it was. Like, uh, but what's funny is they literally mimicked the uh, the same team chemistry as Black Ops. Like, they, from the blonde Russian girl to the Native American girl. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The old guy. Yeah, it was literally, they had the, the, uh, the kid, you know, in the mix, uh, the, the tech kid. It was literally, like, uh, identical. It you know, in certain ways. Like that was that. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you do need a team like that. And it, it, yeah. their execution of it, and plus the writer strike kind of messed them up too. Oh right. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of different factors in that one, but I understand <laughs> it. I, I haven't checked out Black Ops, but I definitely should. And, and, and Tony is very enthusiastic about it, so I'm checking it out. Nice. <laughs> yeah. There's, I, honestly, it would be great to bring back some of that stuff um, and and do something with it. But uh, man, I. I I've I've got some projects in mind that I'm actually working on now that I I I cannot wait to put out. Um, yeah. Well, once I, you get, once point, you get, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead and finish. No, no, I was just gonna say, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm I'm literally working at home all the time, you know, on my own time, and I'm making all this stuff. So soon enough. Well. Once you get these new projects going, would you be willing to come back on the show and talk more about them? Sure, absolutely. Man, I, I really do appreciate that, man. If you're just yeah. joining us, this is Three the Hard Way, and we've had our guest tonight, the phenomenal Dan Norton. Man, let me tell you, if you if you don't know who he is, Google him. If you haven't seen his work, Google his work. Because I'm yeah, just phenomenal. Watch cartoons. You've seen, you've seen yeah. something he's he's done. done. And he's worked with some pretty cool people. All right, it's time for our signature question. We ask all our guests this. It is deep, hard-hitting, the whole nine. It will change your life and the course of the universe as we know it. Okay, right, man. Do it. If you could kill anyone in comic books, and they stay dead, they never come back. When you kill them, they're, they're gone. Dead. That's it, over, done with. Who would it be? And how would you do it? Uh, Okay, so here's this is this this is gonna sound a little wacky, possibly. Uh, my favorite character of all time of all superheroes is Captain America, hands down. What? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, believe it or not, he's always he's always been my favorite. So the fact that he's a Hydra agent, I, I, I have to kill him. I have to. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. You will never tarnish my Captain America with your bullshit Hydra nonsense. It's like a hat, like a normal answer to everyone. Everyone kill Cap. So far, yeah. yeah, we we have got you. Quite a few Captain Americas have yeah. have died in this question so far. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Taking the towel. Yeah, huh? and I'm I'm sure that we're all going to end up on somebody's watch list. Yeah. <laughs> How would you kill him? Oh man, I I don't know. Uh, I I haven't really thought about how, but um, <laughs> but he knew he had. I, he would, I, I, I would say this though. 
he would he would go back to being the real cap that we all know and love. But knowing you know what we know now as if he really was in fact a Hydra agent, like whatever that is, he would redeem himself and be the the kind of I, ideal Captain America by the end. And right. if he dies, you, you can never tarnish him again. Like don't ever touch my cap. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have an awesome statue somewhere. Exactly. Maybe go to a DC or something. So yeah. So you redeem him and then kill him. That's yeah. right. Nice. Go out and I can't take that away from him. Way to go. He made up. Exactly. Yeah. Again, Dan, yeah. thanks again, man. Thank you for taking time out your day to be on the cast, man. It's 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 been real. And we're looking forward to seeing more projects for you in the future, man. Guys, it's been uh, super fun. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so how can people find you or find your works and everything with your name? Uh well, so the 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 interesting thing about Riot is we're a lot like Men in Black, right? You give up your name, but with it, you get to have the the secrets of the universe unlocked. Nice. Um, oh, I and like I it. and I love that. So if you're just looking to Riot, if you look for the champion updates and the videos and the comics that come out, like, or at least some of them, the, the good ones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if. <you see> that, <laughs> uh, if yeah, if you see those, um, I mean, you know, just know that I've got my hand in that in that basket, and uh, I'm trying my best to make quality products out of Riot to make, uh, you know, great lore, great characters, great videos, animated stuff, you know, anything I can get my hands on with those guys. Um, and at some point, I'm I'm going to be probably dropping my own stuff, uh, either digitally, you know, like a digital comic or uh, animated shorts. So, Sweet. I'm looking Sweet. forward to that, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. If you get a chance, go to DeviantArt and look up Dan Norton. He has a plethora of just conceptual designs that he had for Thundercats on there, and I was just blown away by it. But the one thing that stood out to me the most, and right yeah. now, the Doctor Who, the stuff <laughs> that you were doing right there, that pitch, man. I hope that comes to. I hope that comes to life. Well, actually, really good. When okay, so when the when they were working on the show when it first got uh, or when it was pretty hyped, um, right before the 50th anniversary, they were talking about, hey, let's make a cartoon. It could be a thing. And uh, this guy Towson Jaffe, uh, he was really helped leading the charge to put that thing together. And uh, we had actually got some of the show's writers and producers. Everyone was on board, and we were going to do this uh, this movie to start this animated movie to start off with and then go into a series hopefully um the problem was is they had issues on set like it was already a tight schedule and then one of the sets burned to the ground and they had to replace everything and put their schedule behind and then all the staff had to refocus on the show because of it um Mm. So it kind of killed the the timing opportunity, and then just as they were, uh, you know, there were some questions around: would it dilute the brand? Would it, you know, would it be a challenge to have an animated series with the Doctor involved? And so at one point they go, "Well, can we have a Doctor Who series without actually starring Doctor Who?" Um, which yeah, so uh, because they had done a successful 
spin-off series in the UK with one of his companions and this canine unit, you know, this canine robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 But I, exactly. love, I love K9 anyway. <laughs> I love yeah. I, hate, I have an unpopular feeling for that, that character. So, uh, I mean, yeah. a lot of people hate that character, but I love K9. Anyway, go ahead. Right? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I thought it would be great. I'm silently judging you. Yeah, you'll be all right. Yeah. All right. Uh, do, you, do you remember the David Tennant episode where actually his blood sample got taken and then his clone was yeah. his daughter? Doctor's okay. daughter, yeah, yeah, and then we never saw it again. But yeah. that ended up being that en- she ended up becoming David Tennant's real life wife. wife. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And her grandfather that was, uh, that was, was and, and one she's of the, the daughter of one of the fifth doctor. Exactly. Peter Davis. Yeah. 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 That's Peter Davis' wife. Her daughter. So what? Yeah, sorry, daughter. Tennant's wife. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, so I thought... Tennant's my favorite doctor anyway. Tennant, all yeah. the time is my favorite. He's like. Uh, the fourth doctor be under him just slightly, only because Tennant like studied him and Peter Davidson and did both of yeah. them perfectly. Like I can nerd yeah. out on who all day, but I, I oh, love Doctor Tennant, right? And like the fact he married, he got to marry the doctor's daughter. <laughs> it's a literal real biology judging you for K nine. There is no coming back from that. So. I love K nine. I want K nine in my life. Oh, well, you're trying <laughs> <laughs> Man, he analyzed nice. everything. I don't know how he got upstairs, but, you know, he did stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was by far, David Tennant was by far my favorite doctor. Yeah, yeah, you would be both. Yeah. yeah. Matt He's Smith was trying it, but, but yeah. nowhere near Tennant. Tennant, Tennant made it. But, yeah, yeah. We're talking too much. We're whacking intellectual on that. Now, there, there, I, I do want to ask one more question. Since it's going to run long, yeah, I want to yeah. ask this question. And uh, about G.I. Joe Resolute. Now, I love G.I. Joe Resolute. That was my jam. Yeah. Um, the fact y'all, you guys had the balls to kill things <laughs> that, that yeah. people love was impressive. And uh, I know that you worked with it well, and I really want to ask this question now. Uh, Warren Ellis. Yeah. Did you ever work with him or or speak with him at all? And, and what what insights have you gathered from him when when you spoke with him? Because I'm he's one of my favorite writers, and I really want to know this little thing before we go. And, 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 and did you ever work with him like with this project? Um. Well, I mean, I, I was around the conversations that were happening. I didn't really speak directly with Warren. I mean, but Warren and I. I we had kind of run in similar circles in comics for a long time, like, cause he had worked on Crimson, you know, with Wildstorm and that was coming right. out, you know, like he, he was a regular on authority and like he, he had done right. some other projects and stuff and, uh, in comics. So like, I, we've always been in peripheral, uh, view yeah. of one another to some degree, but when it came to this, uh, most of, most of those conversations were with, uh, Sam and Joaquin and, and, gotcha. uh, Warren. Yeah. So I, I was, uh, more focused on the, just the production of the backgrounds, props, you know, helping with little bits of storytelling. Yeah. Here and there. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to know. I was just curious. I, and I had to ask you. I want to make sure. But I go ahead. Yeah. This has been Van Norton. 
on three the hard way. Um, I, like I said, thanks to thanks a million, Dan. Uh, this has been this has been really great, really insightful. Um, and we're all geeking out here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're, we're like this is yeah. Like, see, I didn't even start on like the DC stuff with like yeah. specters. Yeah, that was my God. I love that. Show. That animation was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Now, one more tidbit before we before we close this up, man. I know you you're 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 a busy man, and um, your buddies right now that are working with Voltron, I think yeah. they pulled a Dan too, didn't they? I think you know what I'm <laughs> talking about. The Roy Foker at Galaxy Garrison Academy. Did you pull your head in Voltron? No, I haven't. Yeah, he's 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 at Galaxy Gas, and I'm like they're putting Robotech in the same continuity with Voltron. Oh, yeah, well. I was like, yeah, I, I caught that first season. Yeah, I'm like, oh no, this is this is what is this what's coming down the pipe? This is what's gonna happen. So I've been kind of like, uh, wait, let's see what's gonna happen with that. Yeah. Animators are sneaky, man. They'll, they'll get it yeah. in there. It's pretty awesome. But it makes it great for old school fans. Yeah. Know? I mean, it's nostalgic, man. Yeah. You said that you watch something with your kids, and, and your kids are like, man, this is yeah. great. I was like, yeah, you remember the stuff? You like this? And you show them the original stuff. They're like, that's cool, too. You know, and it's like, yeah, this yeah. guy was in this. And it just opens up another gateway. You know, I like to call it bonding time with my sons and stuff, man. That's, that's really awesome. awesome. Yeah, we are yeah. really impressed with your work, so thank you so much for, for speaking with us today. This has been Three the Hard Way. I'm Tommy the Hit Fan Hard, and I'm on with... Oh, I'm getting introduced this time. Todd the Todd Father Hall. And, and I'm Jelani Bullard. All right. Are you really here? He's here. I think I'm any of truly here. I don't know. And thanks again, Dan. Thanks again for taking time out your My busy pleasure. day, man. Thanks a lot. Daniel Norton, everybody. Dan Norton. Thanks, guys. Now, now, of course, on Three the Hard Way, some real quick stuff. Um, you can follow us on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter. Um, we have a lot of different platforms here on Cloud. Uh, we're working on iTunes. We are getting that done very soon. We're working on the logo that is a giant, you know, a pool ball. What is this going to happen? Uh, the, there's a lot of different things that we're trying, and uh, and I like the, the progress that we're making. But we have truly been blessed with great issues uh, like Dan, Apple Tapping, thanks to all you guys for giving us a shot. And check us out later. We are Three the Hard Way Podcast, where we are critical, honest, and unfiltered. And we'll catch you later. Peace.